Hey, 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 everybody, and welcome to another episode of Life After Life with me, Sandy Byrne. And today I have a very special guest on. I'm so excited. I've been chatting to her. Uh, we're very similar souls. So I have Elizabeth Lava with me. She is all the way from Colorado in the United States, and she is known as the healer of healers. So she's a former deadly disease investigator, a community health leader and a vet. <laughs> So you have a huge um, and diverse background there, Elizabeth. But one thing that really struck me when I was reading about you is that um, you did suffer a deep depression following um, a loss of someone close to you. And this sparked what I, and it, this is why I wanted to talk to you, because you talk about a spiritual emergency. So before we mm -hmm. get into that, can I welcome you to Life After Life? It's so good to have you here. Oh, my honor to be here. Thanks, Sandy, for reaching out and us connecting. Yeah, no, it's 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 lovely. And, you know, um, just for our listeners, because they know I'm obsessed by weather. Before we uh, started recording, we did have the weather conversation. <laughs> so mm. I suppose the reason that I uh, really wanted to talk to you, and, and I know you do lots of other stuff, which we're going to get into your yoga retreats and, and, and your work with healers. But I wanted to talk to you about the idea of a spiritual emergency, okay? Um, maybe we should take a step back and let you talk about yourself for a minute. How you transitioned from, you know, being a, a vet, you know, um, and all the other things you did into the holistic area. Would you mind explaining that to us? Sure, I'll try to keep it brief. Um, so I worked, first was a horse veterinarian and I loved going from farm to farm. Um, but when I was in veterinary school, I actually already had an interest in what's called public health, which is looking at the whole population instead of, instead of just an individual animal or an individual person. And I knew that that probably would be a good career for me. So I transitioned, um, uh, actually after already ex experiencing a little bit of seasonally affected depression syndrome, but I did light, I sat, started sitting next to light boxes and all that. And I transitioned to studying public health and I eventually became what's called an epidemiologist, which is a person who studies the spread of disease or any malady upon the population. And uh, we're actually taught a fair amount about that in veterinary school. And then I really switched gears and started taking public health coursework that was designed um, partially for physicians and then uh, other people who just had, you know, a bachelor's in biology or whatever their prerequisite they finished. And so I did that for uh, about 14 years. I became a state public health veterinarian. So my job was surveillance, prevention, and control of diseases that affect both animals and, and people. And then I transitioned to be um, a local health department director. And so instead of being a veterinary epidemiologist that helped the human world, I actually became a health department leader, which we, again, look at the whole population. We look at what we call community health. And we um, do the best that we can by getting grants and providing resource is resources on the back end to make communities as healthy as possible so it's easier to be healthy and more difficult to be unhealthy. And in the midst of that, I uh, realized that mental health and substance use issues were really the number one issue in our region. 
And I became a spokesperson for that and a leader in pushing my colleagues after a few years of being in that role. And I ended up getting a very large federal mental health grant um, from the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid, which are, those are the federal groups that uh, provide health insurance for those who do not make enough money to pay into insurance uh, program from commercial industries. That's how we do it in the United States. And then Medicaid for 65 and older. And in the midst of that three-year very innovative grant to integrate mental health into primary care and to reduce stigma around mental health and substance use issues, I pushed myself so hard and was coming home very stressed out that my partner left my life. And um, I spun into deep, dark clinical depression in the middle of that grant. <laughs> and I somehow realized that this was not um, a coincidence. And you know, I was being pushed to take antidepressants. I didn't want to take them. I was doing everything possible to um, uh, to find p inner peace again and to find joy in life. And I did everything that the traditional counselors say to do, except take the antidepressants. There was one moment where I finally gave in and I was starting to take an antidepressant pill. And I looked at the bottle and I saw the withdrawal symptoms. And I thought, that's the same thing that I'm going through right now. That's just delaying what I'm experiencing now. There's got to be another way. I looked in the mirror, teardrop went down my face, and I said, I am not going to give up on myself, and I am in charge of a mental health grant. I've got to figure out another way. And there's a very long story that I wrote a book uh, about, which is way too long for the podcast to even explain the book. But I basically started spiritual searching, and I didn't know what that was. But I started uh, looking into mindfulness and meditation and started having a profound what's called a type of spiritual awakening called a spiritual emergence, which is where when you start getting disenchanted with the material world and you start searching for uh, your uh, you know, deeper purpose for inner peace, and then mine turned into what's called a spiritual emergency. And I'm, I'm happy to describe each one of those, but for now, do you have any questions about that? <laughs> fast description no. of a very intense journey. <laughs> and I'm nodding along here as Elizabeth's talking because I get it. I actually studied in the School of Public Health Sciences Health Sciences in University College Dublin. So I did a lot of health and safety stuff myself. So I totally get it, you know, and it's, a, it's an intense area to be in and especially the last few years. So I can't imagine the stress that you were, you know, under. So that aside, so and you know, even listening to you talking, there's so many people that I meet on my journey that, you know, something has happened, some kind of emergency or change has been forced upon them that's pushed mm -hmm. them in this direction, you know? Mm -hmm. So I always say mm -hmm. that we're never given anything more than we can handle. So, but it's how we handle it that sets us apart from others, you know? So I totally get everything you're saying and, and I love this. So tell us, how did you in a holistic way deal with, you know? And just before, sorry, I don't mean to cut across you, but um, this is very important for people because I know that so many people are listening to you here uh, talking and they've be, they're here because maybe they lost someone, they had a relationship breakdown or whatever. And they're also looking to get over this or get through it or past it, whatever way you want to discuss it. So, you know, hearing about your journey and how you got to where you are today is going to be so important. So talk on, Elizabeth, okay. we're all ears. Okay. And Sandy, just to be, um, I actually don't like that statement very much that we only are given what we can handle because um, uh, what I, I've been told that by many spiritual people and I mm -hmm. call them out on it and I said that's 
not appropriate because what about the people that have committed suicide? They were given more than they could handle. And um, the very person who left my life took his life this year. And that whole journey of mine started four years ago. He was given more than he could handle. And so I just want to meet anyone, any of your listeners that are um, having profound, unbearable losses um, with compassion. Um, you know, that's definitely how my spiritual awakening th that grew into a very intense awakening um, pushed me to the edge many times, even though I had been uh, led to a spiritual path that was very healing for me and profound in wisdom, I still have been pushed to the brink many times. And, um, and I'm, I, when it was happening, you know, long after the end of this journey in my book, I would reflect deeply, why is this happening for me? And I know it so that I can be as powerful of a coach to people who are grieving, then having an awakening and being challenged again and again. And um, so uh, I didn't understand what I was experiencing until I basically finally after I was having all these crazy, beautiful spiritual experiences and I thought I was going crazy. And I mean, they were so blissful while I was, you know, being fully present, meditating, and I really was not safe. I actually mm -hmm. was really lucky that I didn't, like, drive my van into the back of anybody and, and uh, uh, take anybody out during my blissful experiences, yeah. And so uh, I ended up finding the Spiritual Emergence Network, um, and that organization and many others are listed in the back of my book, uh, they provide support to people who are having an intense spiritual awakening that includes like what we call spiritually transformative experiences. And there's another organization called the American Center of Integrating Spiritually Transformative Experiences, ACES. And um, so I'm looking at their webpage and I'm like, this is so, because I'm such a scientist, you know, I still am, but I was such a left brain scientist. I'm like, I'd love to be part of some research study because sign me up because whatever this is that I'm experiencing, <laughs> I want other people to learn from. And I ended up meeting through that network, Emma Bragdon, who has a PhD in transpersonal psychology. I had a couple of sessions with her. And then as I'm looking through her webpage, I see that she provides training to become a spiritual emergence coach. And I said, wow, what is this? So I'm taking her course. I decided to sign up for a course. I'm taking her course. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to explain what a spiritual emergence is from her words. And she, she's been... Okay. And it is the process of personal awakening into a level of perceiving and functioning, which is beyond normal ego functioning. The process may at first include one of the following phenomena, out-of-body experiences, occult phenomena, precognition, clairvoyance, astral travel, and perceptions of auras. At its peak, spiritual emergence is the experience of the ultimate unity of all things, a mystical experience emerging with the divine, which transcends verbal description. Among the positive effects of this process are increased creativity, feelings of peace, and, ex and an expanded sense of compassion. So end quote, and that's a short quote um, from Emma Bragdon. In context, it's much longer than that. And I experienced what's called a kundalini rising. And um, I had learned about that many years before while taking a yoga instructor course. And since I was a left brain scientist only at that time, I, I just thought that was just woo woo, this is out there. And of course, I ended up feeling like a politician that experiences uh, a traumatic event and then becomes a, you know, yeah. <laughs> a spokesperson for something. And here I was, okay, oh, I had to experience what a kundalini rising is, which is 
where your central channel is, is where all your chakras are. And I had a dramatic um, um, energy rushing up the spine. And it, it was bouncing around all over the place in my sushimna. And I had to be led to a spiritual path in order to um, uh, both ground and become devotional on a meditative path so that the kundalini could finish its rising and I could become as deeply spiritual as possible in this lifetime. And that's what a kundalini rising is. Now, there are tons of different types of I've listed. Kundalini rising wasn't on that list, you know, that I read from Emma Bragdon. But in her course, that was listed as one of the types of spiritually transformative experiences. And I, um, when it was happening to me, I even talked to a traditional counselor and said, is it normal when you're coming out of depression to have euphorias like you're having an orgasm? And the look on her face was like, what? <laughs> and that was always like, oh, I better, I better not say anything else because I'm going to be put in an institution, which it turns out that a very famous woman who is no longer alive by the name of Christina Groff had the same experience where she had a Kundalini rising and she actually was put in an institution and she was married to Stanislav Groff, who's still alive but is retired. And the two of them wrote a book called When Transformation Turns Into a Crisis, Spiritual Emergency. So Spiritual Emergency is actually the main title and, and the subtitle, excuse me, is When Transformation Turns Into a Crisis. And um, their definition of, of uh spiritual emergency, and this is a very short version of it, uh-huh. is a rapid awakening with stages of, quote, profound psychological transformation that involves one's entire being, including sequences of psychological death and rebirth. So, um, and for, for me, it was, I had a lot of dark things that happened during my blissful experiences, you know, like people, like I had a person attack me, uh, you know, and I, I was so angry at spirit, you know, uh, source, universe, God, whatever your word is for it. I use them all interchangeably. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, I psychological death is definitely what was happening. Like I became prior to having my spiritual search and being led to my spiritual path. I basically didn't want to be in the planet anymore. I was so sad. I just was like. And the depression was so dark, like I, and that's why I was I was attracting in darkness. And then, mm-hmm. as I'm having these beautiful, blissful experiences, you know, I was attracting some darkness to me still. And I had to basically, um, how do I say, be isolated in a very beautiful place. And it was wonderful how the universe lined that up for me in time for the pandemic. My parents had a house in the mountains, um, very, very isolated, about nine thousand feet of elevation. 270 degrees surrounded by uh, by peaks and nobody could come to the house because my parents are like elderly and they just said, why don't you keep an eye on it? Uh, they even had it for sale. And then I ended up living in that for most of the past two years. Um, and I meditated deeply and I had to go through a lot of healing in my body for some of the trauma I experienced both before, during, and slightly after my awakening. And now I feel so um, at peace inside and my life is settling out. And I'm, I'm now helping others. And I help others more deeply whenever I meditate every day. And I meditated deeply this morning. And even though <laughs> we had so many obstacles to get started today, I just like, it's all going to work. It's all, it's all going to work out, especially with your... Especially with your attitude, Sandy, because you know how things go. <laughs> yeah, 100%. No, uh, you yeah. just have to go with the flow. I mean, there's so much um, in there. So first of all, um, on behalf of everybody listening, I want to say that we're sorry what happened with your partner, you know, and, and, and to lose that person like that. Um, I want to come back to the more than we can handle thing because it's profound and it's important. So I suppose 
on a spiritual level and someone who's looked a lot into the soul path and that we have and you, you talk about your spiritual path and some people have a different path but we've agreed this you know my firm belief is that we've agreed this before we came here to take it on so that's where I'm coming from when I say we don't have more than we can handle because we've already agreed that this is going to be our path so um it's not I, th I think suicide is, is, is a whole other thing that I've done um, a different episode on. So I might just shelf that for the minute. But if you okay. look and I think you're being very hard on yourself by by thinking that, you know, I can't handle this because look at you today, you know, and I, I, I totally get that the pandemic was probably a factor in there somewhere, you know, it gave you the opportunity to maybe take time and switch off from a lot of stuff. You know, it gave you the space you needed. And I keep talking about this when I'm talking to um, Americans. Like, you've got a great saying in America that, you know, you hold space for someone or for something. You know, we don't use that term over here, but I do love that term, you know. And mm -hmm. I think the pandemic gave a lot of people that opportunity. It also gave people an opportunity to pivot, which is what you seem to have done, like, massively, you know, are you still doing the whole public health thing or, or the veterinary thing? I still have an active veterinary license and I can take, continue my education um, because some of my public health um, jobs in the past required that as a public health okay. veterinarian. And then um, public health wise, I did. Um, so I was already publishing my book and had been was completing courses and starting to coach people before the pandemic hit. And when the mm -hmm. pandemic hit after a couple of months, I was like, I this is my field. I was an infectious, infectious disease epidemiologist and I actually helped like the whole state of Arizona prepare for a large pandemic. And uh, wow. I was like, I think I need to help again. So I actually did go back for about three months and I became a lead case investigator where I would interview people who had become ill and we would, I basically trained other people to do the same. And part of that was to ensure that they knew that, that it was best for themselves and other people to stay at home and we would see if they needed any resources to stay home because some of them, if they stayed home, they weren't getting a paycheck and they needed groceries. And so that was part of, we were explaining to them the importance of, of um, protecting their loved ones in the community. Um, but then it, there was some, let's just say, some very strong signs from spirit. It was time for me to stop doing that um, because um, other people had already been trained well enough. I felt my job was pretty much done. There was a lot of people who then knew how to do that. And it was time for me to publish my book and start coaching deeply um, and speaking about this in public on podcasts and hopefully on a large stage one day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, and, no. You know, I think you have a lot more to share with people than we would have time to go through. So let's mention mm -hmm. the book because you've mentioned it a couple of times. It's called Stillness mm -hmm. and Wilderness. And the, the subtitle is A Bold Ride from Despair to Deep Wisdom and Love. Do you want to tell us um, I know that it, there's too much to go through, but who should read this book? What would people get from this book? I think people who are going through a lot of loss and uh, dramatic change in their life and um, are ready to start considering spirituality to help support their mental health, because that's basically what it ends up ending in is that um, I'm really a big believer in looking at different um, wisdoms, both East and West, and uh, if you are, are now tried everything in the traditional mental health world and you're ready to go deep to look for spiritually, um, 
And then the reason why that might be helpful for those the population is really not my journey, although it's kind of a crazy <laughs> last chapter. Um, I have an ep epilogue and then the list of resources is about seven pages. And each, if you click on a link on a web page or you read one of the books that is listed in there, it opens up to you a whole other world of support. Um, and uh, so including integrative approaches related to mental health, like Dr. James Lake is listed in there, which I learned about through Emma Bragdon. And, He's a very profoundly wise um, psychiatrist who has a whole series of booklets about, let's say, integrative approach to PTSD, integrative approach to um, uh, depression, integrative approach to insomnia. And so there's a lot of integrative approaches, and in, including Emma Ragdon's work as well, to, to approach mental health challenges. So those are the folks that I think uh, would benefit. And again, the last seven pages are the best. <laughs> and you know that's so important that you included you know that where people can find this support because that's something so many people struggle with isn't it finding where they can find this i guess a lot of it would be um you know the united states contacts and stuff but it would also get people over here thinking you know of what you know they can look for here and what is available so i will put a link to your book in the description box attached to the podcast here because i i think there'd be so many people that, that would find that really helpful um, okay, so wonderful. can we talk a bit about your retreats, your yoga retreats? Do I have to be a yoga fanatic to come on one of your retreats? Tell no, me. no. Yeah, I thank you for saying. So uh, yoga actually means the union union with the divine. And that's really tapping going in deep inwardly. And it does not, you do not need to do a lot of yoga on the map for that at all. I just did a retreat for a week um, with a young man who I'm coaching and he saw that I provide custom personal in-person retreats for those who I've coached a little bit because it's it, the retreat goes a lot better if I've already been coaching you. Um, and it was basically spending each morning we'd get up in silence and do some gentle yoga and he's done some yoga before, but I, I just taught yoga to another client who is um, very uh, much of a beginner and mm -hmm. I, I adapt the yoga. It could be all on, on our backs, you know, um, yeah. uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be aggressive down dog and up down dog and all that. And then some meditation um, that is very uh, non-dogmatic, not associated with any specific spiritual path and with pranayama which is a type of is a specific breath work to control your life force um and then deep um basically i have a specific way of life coaching through introspection of through guided journaling so you're sitting in nature <laughs> and i ask you deep questions about where you are right now in your life and what do you want to do next and overcoming inner self-limiting beliefs um, and then I also, of course, do deep then afterwards, after there's some integration by taking them out in wilderness, and we just have a good time, either with me or alone. Um, I also connect people who come here um, with powerful local healers to either get massage therapy or energy work or both. And there's lovely hot springs nearby. Um, but I do most of my coaching online. Um, I do most of my coaching online with folks who um, from all over the country and hopefully all over the world. Um, I haven't done anyone overseas uh, yet because of the um, uh, thanks to you, there will be some other people from other parts of the world who, who know about me. And um, I really hope to, um, you know, when I talk about uh, healer of healers, I am attracting in that now or people who are 
they're either traditional healers, uh, doctors or veterinarians or public health leaders, or they're non-traditional healers. Um, and they're tapping into Eastern wisdom, such as energy workers, acupuncturists, um, and they're burnout um, because most healers end up pushing themselves so hard. And so I love serving those. But I also have like the young man who is just with me. He's just going through a huge midlife transition and wants to change a lot of things in an outer life. So, yep, those are my retreats. <laughs> That's amazing. So I suppose we can use the word yoga retreat, but um, they're really more than just yoga. You know, it's for people who are finding themselves at this crossroads. You know, I think you're going to have to come to Ireland and do a retreat or I'm going to have to come over there and help you with your retreats. <laughs> Either would be fine with me. <laughs> but yeah, because, you know, when um, like like anybody, you know, I've always been a medium, you know, we're always what we are. But I didn't always work as a medium. And, you know, when you get you get that. um I don't know, you come to that crossroads, I suppose, and you wonder, am I doing the right thing? Like, um, we, you know, Irish people are obsessed by this permanent pensionable job, you know, and should I give it up to, to you know, um, throw caution to the wind and, and start offering people sessions where they can talk to their dead loved ones? You know, everybody thought I was crazy. But, you know, I think so many people reach this point in life and they don't know where to turn. And I'm a huge believer that if you step outside of your everyday life, you can look at it more clearly than when you're in the middle of it. And that's a retreat. <laughs> that's what it is, you know. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in Colorado and in, in the beautiful mountains, that would be a fabulous place <laughs> to attend a retreat. So I'm definitely going to have a look at your retreats and, and see what's in there for me. Um, okay. You see, you do them in southwest Colorado and southern Utah, and they're very different. They're like miles apart. So, yes, and that's because the seasons, because um, southwestern uh, Colorado is high elevation, big mountains, the San Juan Mountains, and then um, that, that southeastern part of Utah is right nearby, and it's lower altitude, big desert, red rocks, much warmer, and um, there's something very powerful about those rocks. Uh, there's an interview of me by the Moab, Utah radio station while I was living there, they're very grounding. So if a person's having a spiritual awakening, that's a wonderful place. And then I do want to put on retreats in Southern California for those who are really ready to go deep in their spiritual exploration and in meditation because of some of the spiritual sites, um, the temples and gardens in um, Southern California as well. Be beautiful. And the sunshine, of course. If you ever want to host a retreat mm -hmm. where it's raining, Ireland's a good place. <laughs> and one, one other thing that my partner, so I have a new partner in my life, and um, he took me to Nepal for six weeks last fall. Yeah, and we were just discussing last night. Um, a lot of people saw on my personal Facebook page all the incredible photographs of being high in the Himalayas and go, visiting monasteries and um, uh I, we were thinking about doing that where, and by that time he will probably be my husband. Yeah. Exclusive announcement. Yeah. My, my parents can tell that it's probably going to happen. So he's a oh. wonderful man and um, deeply spiritual as well. Yeah. And he meditates. Um, he's been meditating for decades. And so we both, we talk about the power of meditation and um, how healing it is to go deep within and get in touch with your soul 
um, to uh, find that inner peace and calmness, um, which then it makes it easier to handle what's going on in your outer world. Um, so, so yeah, so maybe some um, meditation and, and very gentle yoga at like the tea houses and after the trek, um, just to loosen up the body. Um, and so that's another option. Uh, we might do one in November, but we might wait till the following year. So we'll see. That's so cool. And just when you're talking mm -hmm. about your um, your new partner there, I mean, I think it's evident even from the tone of your voice, how ensconced you are in this relationship. But, you know, when you're talking about your meditating and finding your inner peace and everything, you know, this is something that comes up when I'm reading psychically for people again and again, that we're told to find out who we are before we learn to share ourselves with somebody else. Do you feel that that was something that was missing in past relationships for you? Yes, for sure. Um, there was also, um, a, so I, during my awakening, prior to my awakening and during and then since, I've, um, I've discovered a lot of unhealthy patterns that were uh, I grew up in. <laughs> yeah. And I had to break out of those by establishing healthy boundaries. Um, and so that was part of my learning. And I felt through my spiritual practices and the services that I provide to others, I felt so whole that I actually didn't feel that I needed a partner anymore. And that's when he showed up. <laughs> um, and so I, I think because one really can be very healthy in relationship when your happiness and peace is not reliant on another. Thank you. That is so perfect. It really is true. <laughs> Yeah, you know, um, it comes up time and time again in readings. And I could just hear it in your voice that you just felt like you'd found your home with this person. And I'm so happy mm. for you. Thank so you. before I let you go, I want to ask you one last question. It might be a difficult one. You can tell me to mind my business if you like. But um, so, you know, you've been through this journey. There's more, you know, than, than you could talk about in, in this episode. But, you know, writing the book was a milestone. But what about after the book? <laughs> so, you know, where are you now? We can talk about your journey, you know, and sharing that with other people. But you're still healing, I imagine, and still, you know, developing. So where does one go after they've written the book? Well, it was actually hard to figure out where to stop the book um, and because the transformation continued afterwards. Um, so I, I went on, on long meditation retreats um, uh, by myself, uh, first associated with other paths that I was um, experimenting with, and then eventually with the path I'm on now, and I uh, went to something that's called a convocation, which is a week-long immersion um, with teachings directly from monks and nuns, um, so going as deep spiritual as I can, and then, uh, you know, publishing the book and then giving book readings is another part of the transformation because you're really tapping into what is it that I really learned? And then I, how can I package it so that the masses can hopefully absorb it and, and learn from my experience? Um, and then the other is this piece of land that I have that's 10 acres, um, uh, raising the funds to build a, a, a building that's just for meditation and a home and then sharing it with others in a way that is very sacred to uh, myself and them. That's part of my continued journey. So, and then of course, doing podcast interviews with lovely hosts like you, that's. <laughs> <laughs> They're not all going to be as nice as me, Elizabeth. <laughs> 
I have to keep telling myself that so I believe it. Indeed, already so, um, before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I did tell you that that would be the last question, but I lied. Just something that, you know, okay. even listening to you talking, just I, I just felt that, you know, so many people do tune in and do listen, and they're still at the point where they're figuring out how to pick themselves up off the floor. In your experience, uh, what would be your advice? What would be the first step? Uh, well, find um, stability in your life. You know, there's the Maslow's hierarchy of need. And that was one thing that was missing during my awakening. I'm like having all these spiritual experiences. And then the basis of what need, like safe housing and being in a safe environment is really important. So uh, surrounding yourself with compassionate loved ones who can provide some stability if you can. Um, then uh, finding a good mental health counselor who actually has spiritual competency, which is someone who's trained in... Um, helping someone go deep spiritually to help themselves heal and that they are actually competent and that they're not going to uh, include their own biases. So that counselors not put in their own biases and judgment based on their own spiritual beliefs. Um, and then finding uh, a type of meditation that is uh, for you and getting body work. And, you know, it's it's so important to, we the body keeps the score is the name of a very famous book um, by a psychologist and um, uh, releasing, um, certainly I had a lot of sorrow trapped in my tissues um, and energy work. So working with a number of holistic um, healers, that all costs money. So there are, uh, as a spiritual emergence coach, I support people in doing that in a most um, cost-efficient way because when you're having a very, a lot of loss, um, sometimes you're not having much income coming in. And so I, I keep that in mind when I'm supporting folks because I know that not everybody can afford all those things I described. Yeah, I totally get it. So I suppose the message there is don't think that all is lost. You know, there's been people that have been there before you and reach out. And, you know, I will put there's a, in the description box attached here, I'll put links to Elizabeth's um, website and her social media and importantly, her book, um, because I know a lot of people will find some peace through reading that because it's a case study, isn't it? You know, if you can do it, <laughs> she's grimacing when I'm saying that. But, you know, I, I do feel that by reading success stories, um, people can see what is actually possible. It doesn't have to be exactly your path. But, um, you know, there's so much possibility out there in the world um, that you can continue to reemerge time after time after time. Elizabeth, thank you so much for your time today. I really got so much from it, as I'm sure the listeners did. And um, just check out the description box. And if they have any questions, um, your email address and everything, I'll have it here below so people can contact you directly. Okay. Thank, thank you. you so much for your time, Elizabeth. And to everybody listening, I'll see you in the next episode. And until then, take care and stay safe. Discussing everything about the afterlife and spirit world.